Welcome to the Jesus Image Podcast. Wonderful Lord, thank you for your presence today. Thank you for your mercy, your love. What an ending, massive mercy you've poured out on us. And we want to be merciful, Lord, that we would receive mercy. So, Father, during this time, this time in your presence, mark us. Mark us deeply. Don't, this, don't let this be just uh, an ordinary gathering. Touch people, Lord, who are searching. Touch people, Lord, who've been invited here by family, friends who think they're merely attending a service just because it's Christmas Eve. I pray you would mark them and touch them and draw them to the cross this morning. Liberate them this morning. Come on, I want, I want our church people praying. Liberate them, Father. Deliver them. Let your love be poured out in their hearts. Surprise them this morning with your power and presence. I thank you in advance that many, many lives will be saved this morning. And that many sicknesses will be healed. Thank you for the honor of being in your presence and being your own children. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we lift a praise to the Lord, please? Thank you, Lord. Why don't you love on a few people? And then you can be seated. It's not on. a fun meeting. Isn't it wonderful to see the children ministering to the Lord that way? Could we get this mic? Here, let me hand this to somebody so it's not hanging off me. And can, you, can you get it off the in ear too, David? All right. All right, let's take our Bibles, please. To Philippians uh, chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. Before I get started, how many of you are here for the first time? We're not going to have you stand. Would you just slip your hands up? Could we, wow, look at all these first timers. Could we please welcome them, family? What an honor to have you. Privilege that you'd be here this morning. We, we certainly uh, believe that God has more in store for you than a mere service. God has chosen to bring you here this morning. Can you grab this one? I'm going to do my best. Preaching with a handheld for me is like flying with one wing. I'm Greek and I need my hands. So. 
go to Philippians 2.5. And uh, Amy and Ryan, could you grab a microphone, please? Just help me. How many of you are thankful for the Word of God? It's wonderful to have Pastor Ben Fitzgerald here with us for Christmas. Isn't it? Leading a beautiful church and movement in Germany. Love you, Ben. Thank you for being here. It's just so special. This has become his Christmas destination. It's freezing in Europe. And uh, I can't say I blame him. Jess said we're so excited. Okay, Amy, would you begin reading? We have a mic problem? Okay, let me do it. Let me, I got it, I got it right. Let this mind, actually, let's pray. Holy Spirit, teach us your word. Let it go deep and change us forever. Amen. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, have the mind and attitude of Christ. Now Paul goes on to explain this. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. In other words, it, the Lord did not have to grasp for godliness, for deity. Jesus is God. Say that out loud. Jesus is God. Now what does it look like to be the Lord? Paul begins to define it in verse 7. But made himself, sorry, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but, verse 7, made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Thank you, Jesus. Say thank you, Lord. This is a beautiful description of what the incarnation is all about. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself. I love that. It's much better for you, much more wise for all of us to humble ourselves rather than allow the Lord to do it. I've been through that one. It's better just to fall on your face upon the rock than the rock crush us. He humbled himself and became obedient. Say obedient. obedient. So humility and obedience are eternally connected. The most humble people are the most obedient. And they actually learn to obey God by obeying the word of God in people. We all say we'll obey the Lord if he, of course, but will you obey his word in a human's mouth? His word in a person's mouth is still his word. He became obedient to the point of death. So where does obedience lead us? 
to the cross. A humble life is an obedient life. And an obedient life leads us to lose our life so that we might gain our life. Therefore, in other words, because of what we just read, because of this disposition, because of this attitude, this heart in the Lord Jesus, therefore, because he endured the cross, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. How many of you don't know the name of Jesus rests light years above every other name? How many of you believe that the name of Jesus is worthy of the bowing of our very life? How many of you believe that the name of Jesus is more glorious than our own perspectives? Again, I, for those of you who have never been here before, God snuck up on you this morning. I know you like, I got to go to church. It's Sunday. It's, it's Christmas Eve. It's a Sunday. And I can't wait to go eat. No, you're going to get blasted by the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what happens in other churches, but if you sneak into this church, God will sneak up on you. God has a plan for you today. The name of Jesus is higher than any perspective, any lofty thought, any idea, any sickness, any person. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Satan himself. Every knee should bow of those in heaven, those on the earth, that's people, those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And what does that do? To the glory of God the Father. The greatest way we can glorify the Father is to honor Jesus as Lord. This morning while we were watching the children, I don't know about you, but I felt the presence of God on those beautiful songs. As I was worshiping, I began to think about the price that Jesus paid. And, 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 and the Christian life is... It's, it's really, uh, it's beautiful, it's incredibly interesting, it's mysterious, but there's something about the Christian life that's always drawn me into like a deep pondering, and this is one of them. When the Holy Spirit is moving, I actually mean what I'm saying in a context like this. If I'm not aware of his presence, I can talk about the blood like it's just an average substance. I can say things like this. Jesus died for me. 
And then in the next sentence, I can talk about a golf tournament. Or I can sing a song about God becoming a man and bleeding and dying and shedding his blood and I can just keep it moving. But when the Holy Spirit starts to move and he starts to manifest himself, you begin to deeply ponder a mere statement like this. Jesus came and bled. I don't know, has anybody here ever watched anyone bleed to death? I want us to take a moment and think about the beauty of the gospel, the, the weight of the gospel. It's important for our staff, our worship team, our media team, our volunteers, our church family, our students. Have any of you watched anyone be skinned alive by a flog? See, these are the things that if we just skate along the shallowness of cultural Christianity, we don't even really think about what we're saying and, and, and we lose the beauty of the gospel. We lose the vision of what it cost the Father to bring you into this room this morning. How many of you have enemies? You may not know you do, but you do. <laughs> Trust me. Hopefully it's not your spouse right now, but you have them. There are people who want to damage you, who are against you, who want to destroy you. They're there. And if they're not flesh and blood, there are beings that want to use flesh and blood to not give you a bad day, to steal, kill, and destroy your very life. The issue with the devil is that he needs cooperation. That's what this young generation is unfortunately blinded to the ways of the devil. Blinded. It's my job as a shepherd to do my best to keep him off of you. And I will do it. I don't care what culture thinks or what people think. I will take that to the throne. The, the role of a shepherd is to fend off with a rod and a staff. You lead with a staff, you fight the devil with a rod. The devil needs humans to cooperate with him. This births sin in a culture. And slowly but surely that sin permeates like yeast and it creates enemies of God. The scripture teaches there's a name for enemies of God. Sinners. That's what we all were prior to Jesus coming our way. So the Bible calls us enemies of the Lord. He said, no, 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 I was good. I heard R.C. Sproul say something in, in, in a response to this question. Why do good things, bad things happen to good people? 
R.C. Sproul said, that only happened to one person. His name is Jesus. Let's be really clear. There's only been one good person. His name is Jesus. When you think of the scripture, I don't know who we talked to. Oh, Sophia. She came out of her room yesterday. <laughs> My kids are getting like literally caught up in a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit right now. It's wonderful to watch. It's wonderful to go through the house in the midst, Ben will tell you, in the midst of a very normal home. Uh, <laughs> ish, yeah. <laughs> he said normal-ish. <laughs> we try our best. But they'll come out and have a Bible question for me. They went out the other night to dinner. I wasn't feeling well, so I couldn't make it. And There was a Catholic church nearby, the restaurant. My father-in-law was there with them. and Benny kind of snuck out of the restaurant and went and talked with the Catholic priest <laughs> about theology. Yeah. So Sophia, yeah, it's, it's really funny. Theo, the other days, we were talking about him serving the Lord. He was talking about, he wanted, we were talking about the pain of ministry. You have to be real with your kids. It's painful. But it's wonderful. Because to the believer, we find pain in wounds. That's why, we, that's why the disciples rejoiced on the temple steps when they were counted worthy to feel pain. There's a joy in it. And that joy makes no sense to the world. And that mystery provokes the world because the world knows life can be very painful. What is it about these Christians who are filled with joy? And this confounds the wise. The Bible says Jesus endured the cross with, I don't even know the cross was painful, and joyful. So Sophia came out and she wanted to know basically a little bit about why the Lord annihilated the earth with a flood. And I began to talk to her about what was happening on the earth. At the time, how quickly sin was multiplying at an exponential rate. So much so the scripture teaches that the fallen angels were sleeping with the daughters of men. And so the Lord, one of the reasons he destroyed humanity was to protect the promised seed who was coming, who had to come from the line of Israel. When you look at these wars, you look at the initiatives of the devil, you look at all of the backstabbing, the back and forth. The Old Testament is a wild ride. You start reading it, you're like, oh my gosh. If someone actually did a great movie about this, this would be the wildest movie ever. I mean, everything's in there. What's taking place there? The devil partnering with people. Listen to keep the Messiah from coming. And he used them and they became enemies of the plan of God. 
through their cooperation, through their life of compromise, they began to oppose through their worshiping of idols, through their hatred of one another, through their sexual immorality. They began to oppose God's plan that a seed was coming to destroy the devil. This amazing God, the scripture teaches, that while we were still enemies, he died for us. Does this trigger the heartstrings of anybody's heart this morning? Do you know the Bible says in Psalm 22 that you could count all of Jesus' bones when he died? Have you ever seen that? Anyone here seen someone's internal organs exposed? And to put all of this into a more glorious thought, this was God. This was the Lord. We serve an amazing God. I don't know about you, but when I hear something of the gospel, I want to, I want to bring it in. I don't want to think about it like I used to. I don't want to say something like Jesus died for me and just keep it moving. I would like to weep occasionally over it. Or continually. I would like to be stuck in wonder at the thought of God coming to die for me. Isn't that what's plagued the church that we're no longer stuck in wonder and our faces are not flooded with tears at the thought that God gave his back. That the hands that formed the world were tied to a pole, naked. I want to think about that. I, I, I want to weep over it. I remember my early days when I came to know the Lord, my godmother gave me my first Bible. It was a little NIV youth study Bible. And I began to read that Bible. Nobody told me how to read it or where to start. It would have been nice because I started in Revelation 1. <laughs> Yeah, went straight to the end. <laughs> Completely freaked out by lion faces with shields and breastplates and stinger-like tails like a scorpion. It was frogs jumping up out of an abyss. I was like, you know, now when people get saved, where should I start? We say, well, you start in John 1, you know. <laughs> Malignant boils. <laughs> 
a woman in red, a harlot, all this, I'm 12 years old going, whoa. This is what I gathered after reading that book. I don't want to go into that lake of fire <laughs> as a 12 year old kid. And I was so enamored by the scriptures. I, I was homeschooled back then. I was so gripped by the Bible that my algebra teacher came to the house that my parents used to pay him to come to the house. His name was, uh, I know his first name was Bill. I can't, it wasn't Bill Johnson, but I, it was uh, a Bill. He was knocking on the door to come in and teach me, but I was so into the book of Revelation. I didn't want to do algebra. I hid under the dining room table until he left. And for years, I was gripped by the word of God. And I would think through things like I'm talking to you about this morning. Didn't that happen in all of us when we were born again? Was there not a moment where we were blown away that Jesus suffered for us? What is it that numbs us to that reality? It, I'll tell you what it is. Lifeless repetition. Another thing is offense. Pain. Another thing, another scenario that numbs us to the beauty of Jesus is the blaming of Jesus for the mistakes of people. And we begin to see the Lord improperly. But I want everyone under the sound of my voice this morning, just the smallest aspect of his passion. Have you pondered that at all? On one of our sets for our media, one of the television sets, the amazing media team decorated one of those a couple of years ago and built a set. Behind me was the, uh, a crown of thorns. Like this long, each thorn. Beaten into the Lord's beautiful face. I, I want to think of these things. Because it's impossible, listen, it is impossible to separate the manger and the cross. It's impossible. It's literally the declaration that he was born to die. He came to die. And that's why, there's not a real baby in here, hopefully, but <laughs> as I showed you a few weeks ago, the swaddling cloths in the early Christian depictions were 
depicted as grave clothes in the nativity. We serve an amazing Savior. I could give you the theology of the incarnation. It's wonderful. I have been for weeks. But what good would that be unless it meant something to us? Say, Jesus died for me. Why don't you right now where you are ask the Holy Spirit for a deeper, more clear vision of all Jesus has done for us. Lord, we, we ask you to do this by your Spirit. Could you take your Bibles to uh, Hebrews 10? Then I will pray and give many of you the opportunity to bring your life to Jesus and receive his very life. Then we'll receive communion. Just mark Hebrews 10 there. For those of you who are wondering, we do have a children's church. (laughs) It's just this week that uh, everybody's in the seats together. I don't want the visitors to think, man, they don't even have a children's church here. We do. Years ago, I just marked that verse. Years ago, I was behind a tow truck. And how many of you have seen that? I don't know. It's like those steel beams they use to put under the car. When I was behind the tow truck, I was shocked that that's in the shape of the cross. Have you seen that? It was an amazing season for me when this happened. I was with the Lord hours and hours a day and not preaching a whole lot. I was coming to really get to know the Lord privately. And this tow truck was in front of me and that cross-like beam was hanging off the back of it. And right there in my car, I just started weeping. I've had that happen looking at uh, electric poles or the phone line poles. With the slightest thing, it would move me to tears at the very thought of the Lord's love for us. 
There was a season where I would watch the sun go down and I would ponder his death that Jesus died and night came. And I remember certain sunrises on the East Coast. I'd walk the beach here in Florida and be blown away by his resurrection. I don't think we realize how badly the Lord wants the depths of our thoughts and passions. And I, I, I want, I want to go in deeper. I, I don't want to live. Uh, I don't want to live talking about things that are sacred and holy, and it not move my heart. Is anybody else with me this morning? Are you, are you there? Let me just read this verse to you. Therefore, verse 5 of Hebrews 10, when he came into the world, this is Jesus speaking of the incarnation. This is the Lord speaking, the incarnation. He said, this is the Lord Jesus speaking now, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. Speaking to his father. But a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, this is the Lord speaking of his coming. Listen, behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me. For those who don't think they need the scriptures but still claim to follow Jesus Jesus was aware of what the word of God said about him and he yielded to it in the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will O God I want everyone to hear this. Do you know what the will of God was for Jesus? For him to die for you. Are you glad he said yes? I said, are you glad he said yes? Now, you wonder, where does this come from? Say, I love the word of God. Go to Psalm 40. Unreal. Verse 6 of Psalm 40. Tell me if this language sounds familiar. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened. In other words, here the Son is revealing again that Philippians 2 disposition. He's the divine yielder and listener. Because he's humble. 
burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. Here we go. Look at verse 7. Then I said, behold, I come. Say, thank you for coming, Jesus. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. And your law is within my heart. Here the Lord Jesus is saying that the very law of God, the word of God, rests in his heart. Thank you, Lord. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can like and subscribe to help us continue to reach people around the world with the gospel. Give today at jesusimage.tv forward slash give. You can also join us in person or online every Sunday at Jesus Image Church. For more information on Jesus Image, events, Jesus School, and resources, visit jesusimage.tv.